Welcome back to the Golf Intervention Podcast. We are two PGA golf professionals who are very serious about you playing better golf. We thank you for tuning in with us today. Uh, I'm sitting here with my co-host, Rob Fails. On today's episode, we are taking on the big question of how to learn to actually play better golf. I know I've been excited about doing this episode for a while. Truth be told, we've recorded it a few times. We want to make sure we get this one right because I think this can be maybe that impactful episode that somebody's going to listen to and they're going to go, oh my gosh, like that is something I needed to hear. I needed to hear what you had to say there because it's going to help jumpstart me towards actually being able to perform a little bit better at this game so rob fails yeah. welcome in today how are you buddy everything good in your world everything's great yeah i would absolutely reiterate what you just said is that if you're in need of a golf intervention it's usually those folks who are not awesome at learning and as someone who's taught the game not as long as you have eric but someone who's taught the game for a decent amount of time now that is one of the number one things that we're having discussions about on the lesson team now is We've got this new information. How do we apply it? How do we actually learn it? And it's very counterintuitive to what a lot of people believe. Yeah, and I think people generally understand learning, okay, because they've learned things in their lives. They've helped their children learn things in their lives. And when it comes to golf, it's like we it's like we go brain dead sometimes. We're just like, right. and oh, whatever, whatever I can hear. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. It's like golf is a complex game, okay, and learning it is a complex thing. We can make it way harder than we need to, and I feel like that's a lot of times what's happening. I'm really excited about some of the stuff we're putting into this podcast, Rob, because it's almost like we're being able to say a bunch of stuff we'd love to say in the lesson time that we have, yes. and we try to summarize it a bit. And this is something you and I do talk about anyway with our with our lessons, because I talk about learning in general as much as I talk about learning golf, probably. Um and maybe that's not quite true. Maybe it's not balanced that much. But, you know, we, we maybe don't directly say it, but when we're giving people ways to, to practice and we're giving them thoughts to do and we're saying, ah, stay away from that right. idea or, or whatever, or, or don't, don't follow that Instagram account. <laughs> so the, the point being, um, it's fun to be able to put some stuff down in a podcast where you can say, Hey, yep. you know, if you have time, listen to episode three on learning yes. or ep- whatever this is, episode four, probably, but listen to that episode on learning because we go into some stuff there that can really help you. So I kind of wanted to take a little bit of time at the beginning here to frame this out. Um, we're going to go through what it's like to learn something in general. I'm going to give you some, some ideas about me being kind of a self-taught, with a little bit of help guitar player and, and, and kind of guide you through the process there. And then we're going to bring in Rob and Rob is, has got a great kind of, I don't want to say methodology, but understanding a, a concept of how to take players from sort of a point a, I need some help to, Hey, now I'm, I'm learning what you're teaching me. It's very organic. It feels easy. And, and I'm able to put it into the context of playing better golf. And so that's kind of what we're going to frame. I'm going to have a little bit of a long introduction here. And so I I just kind of wanted to preface that because I want to frame this in a way that really makes you understand what it is that we're going to go through because I do think it's very impactful. So if you were to say, um, what is the first step in learning something, right? Like, is is there a process of learning things? Well, of course there's a process, like anything else. It's been... People understand if you go through it sort of in a clinical way, um, there's really kind of four phases of learning. And it kind of starts with, I don't know what I don't know, right? Like that's the moment where you're like, okay, I, I want to learn how to play the guitar, okay? And I have nowhere to start. I don't know anything, right? So I might say, I might start seeking some information like, well, maybe we're, I can go take a lesson or maybe there's a friend that can show me some things or maybe I can go on YouTube and find some information. So I don't know what I don't know. That's where I'm starting this whole process. Um, in this case, for most of us in golf, hopefully what we're going to do is we're going to take a lesson, right? We're going to walk into the lesson experience. Uh, we're going to have a great coach in front of us, and we're going to tell them kind of what's going on. And, and in that moment, whether we realize it or not, we're just saying, I don't know what I don't know. Like, I'm just not doing what I want to do. It's not happening for me. Um, can you please help me? That's why I'm here, okay? So it's an unconscious incompetence, basically. So there you are. And then the coach is going to come in and say, here's what we need to do. So in the guitar example, it's kind of like, I I don't even know where to start playing a 
playing a chord, okay? Um, I'm really not going to be John Mayer tomorrow. I understand that. That's a high skill kind of place to be with my guitar playing. But I'd like to be able to play like maybe just a few chords, maybe put it in the context of a basic song. So the the person that's helping you, your instructor maybe, or your friend that plays guitar is going to say, okay, put your fingers, if you want to play a D chord, put your, put your three fingers on these three strings and then strum these strings. Okay. And so you're going to, you're going to do that and you're going to go, okay, now let me try to remember what it is they just told me because now was it this string was that string and and then that person's telling you yeah not so you're gonna go through this process of it. it's kind of messy you're trying to remember it um and then you're gonna try to like build some repetitive practice like okay take my fingers off put them on it, what strings were that okay now i'm doing it um rob loves the term muscle memory right robbie <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh I gosh I, I, know. I just uh, had to throw it in there but that's what people say like i'm trying to build my not. muscle memory <laughs> rob and i don't say that but we understand what you mean by that. i will say we know what you're talking about yes um so we're trying to build that feeling right and it takes time and i'm trying to and it's messy then maybe what i do is i learn another chord so maybe g that's a good good progression that beginner golf uh, guitar players are G and D and they're trying to go back and forth between those. And now I'm remembered G now I'm switching to D and I'm going back and forth. I'm strumming. It's messy and it's ugly. And I do this and then maybe I try to learn a song. Um, at that point, I am not a guitar player, by the way, I don't have a new skill set. I'm just learning things. I'm just exploring this a little bit. Um, and then I practice those over and over. Maybe I sit in my dorm room. This is what I did right, in college. Sit in the dorm room, and, and, the, and um, it's miserable. It sounds terrible. No one wants to be around you when you're practicing. It sounds awful, and it's messy. And you're going back and forth. And by the way, learning is messy. So there's another thing to talk about, and that's totally fine. It's actually part of the beauty of it. So we'll get to that. But eventually, it sounds better. Okay, and you're, like, excited. And then it, all of a sudden, maybe you're doing it. Now you got a song going. And then you practice the song. And then one day, you don't think about it anymore. And all of a sudden, you're just playing it. Your fingers are going where they're supposed to go on the strings. Your other hand is strumming the right strings at the right time. There's a rhythm to it. There's a timing to it. And now you're just playing the song. You're not thinking about playing the song. You're just playing the song, okay? So you've gotten to this place. You've gone through the stages of learning just in that little illustration from not knowing anything. I don't know what I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm consciously incompetent, okay? To now, or excuse me, unconsciously incompetent. To now being unconsciously competent. I'm not thinking about it. I'm doing it, okay? Um, This process... And golf is a little, probably a little more complex than playing the guitar. One reason is no one's going to argue with you, whatever teacher you go to, to tell you what three fingers you need to put on what three strings to play the D chord, okay? In golf, you might get all kinds of answers about different things as far as the mechanics of what you're trying to do, okay? So, I know this is getting long-winded. I'm trying to get to the point here, Rob. Um, Basically, this is where the this is where the big time coaching comes in. Okay, good coaches, great coaches, will be able to in the moment draw out of the student their best ability with the student. By the way, they're going to work together with the student to draw out of them their best ability to have this new skill in golf. Okay, what a good or great coach does not do is indoctrinate the student with what they think is the perfect way to do things and make the student, no matter what they bring into the, to the, with past experience or perceptions or whatever, and say, this is how you do it and you just have to do this, okay? Right. That is completely backwards. Now, there is some of that in golf instruction, okay? We're, we're, I'm not going to sit here and, and criticize people. I'm just saying, I personally... And I think Rob personally would say there's a better way than that, okay? We can, we can go through the learning process together as a coach and student to facilitate learning in a way that's organic, that's born of the student's perceptions and awarenesses and, and physical attributes and affordances and past experiences and the way that they learn, okay? And be able to build skills in a way that feels completely right for them and I think when, you, when they do that, they push forward with their learning quickly 
and, and more easily. They, they're less likely to backslide in their development. Um, and then they have this ability to say, wow, I really understand how I did that. How do I go to the next level? And how do I go to the next level? This is not, this is not my coach's idea of how I'm going to play better. This is me and my coach's uh, way that I'm going to play better. And it really comes from me. And that's a, such a comforting place to be. So anyway, I know that was a long way, winded way of introducing this. But in golf, we start, we always start there. I'm a 20 handicap and I want to be a 10. And and I don't know why I'm not that way. I can see some things. I I kind of understand it in my ball flight, this, that, whatever's going on. I hire a coach and now I've got to work through this process. So hopefully what we learned today is if I'm taking some of this on on my own, which by the way, I think is great. Okay, learning is messy and it should, be, it should be controlled and overseen by the person themselves, um, hopefully we can take some stuff on to make us great learners, both whenever we're practicing on our own and studying on our own and also in the lesson experience so that I can get in a very good way to my goal set and really enjoy the process all the way through. What we don't want is a messy uh, ugly process that feels terrible and, and never feels right. And I, I can't do that. Okay. That shouldn't happen. So anyway, long, long way of saying there's a good way to get through this. Rob is really one of those people that um, is kind of, kind of well known. He, he's spoken to a lot of groups of instructors. Uh, they ask him to come speak on this because again, and he'll, he'll talk about who's influenced him here. But the idea is there's a way to get through it. It's not a step-by-step thing necessarily. There's a lot of different parts to it, but we can play better golf. So Rob, why don't you kind of take us through just kind of the general uh, blueprint of what it is that we're going to talk about today as far as that goes, and then we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll put that into the context of the of the player that's listening to this podcast today. Definitely, yeah. And just want to real quick reiterate what you said there, Eric, is that it's for the players, but then this is also for the coaches. So not only do we learn to play golf, but we learn how to coach. And so a coach, if they're a good coach and if they're coaching for the right reasons, they're always learning as well. And they're getting better the more they're coaching. So this process, this is not something that necessarily I've come up with. I've definitely adapted this and, and turned it into kind of uh, my own thing, but it definitely comes from uh, first and foremost, Dr. Mark Bull, um, who was the first to kind of, get me to understand that there's a progression to this. Ian Highfield, uh, Stuart Morgan, these are all folks that have helped me tremendously understand the, the learning process and, and really what it takes to get people to really alter and improve their behavior. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is context, because like we've said in this podcast many times, context is king. We have to understand who the individual is, why they're coming to see us, and then from that, what are they trying to do and how they're trying to do it? And as far as the golfer goes, that's really the relevant piece. What are you trying to do and how are you trying to do it? That's, as a coach, what we're always trying to modify. Now, in order to adjust their intentions, which is what they're trying to do, and their attention, how they're trying to do it, the following things are all things that coaches can consider. Um, you can do it in the sequence if you want. You can do it out of sequence. I, I bounce around all day. But the next step is going to be understanding their perceptions and really their awareness of how the golf club, how the golf ball, and how the environment are all interacting. And then getting their conventions, what do they believe should happen? And then after that, it's going to be more of an exploration process. And ecological dynamics calls this affordance theory, but it's really what are the options available to us to start to modify those perceptions And so that's where we can look at things like constraints. We can look at things like uh, differential training. We can look at things like altering the the rhythm of the club. All these sorts of things are for us to explore. Um, Things like grip, posture. We're going to get into a lot of different options as far as the exploration process goes. But then finally, that last step is how do they learn? How do they actually perform the movement or the new skill in context of, of what they're trying to do? So it's context, perception, exploration, performance. Uh, that's awesome. So I think that what's striking me right this moment as you're talking about this, and I've heard you talk about this many, many times. You and I have talked about this many, many times. Um, 
something that just struck me is like if the student if the if the golfer person that's listening has this notion that there's like a right way there's like only one right way to do things okay their conventions yeah that's absolutely. their conventions okay so this is how i mean i know eric i know there's a way that i'm supposed to make my back swing i'm just throwing out like a what is my back swing supposed to do yes um and, and we're i'm not going to get bogged down in the weeds in this right now but i just kind of wanted to summarize what you were saying here because i think it's it's really interesting well I think that if you if you look at the natural golfers, like the really really good players, and I, and we'll use some tour examples because they're the people we watch, right? They're common people that we can discuss. But you know, if you watch the really really natural players of the game, like if Ben Hogan's backswing, if Jack Nicholas said, "I need to have Ben Hogan's backswing," right? If Ben Hogan was the right answer, um, Jack Nicholas was the wrong answer then, right? Um, because he did very different things in the backswing than Ben Hogan did, okay? They are two of the greatest, probably two of the top ten greatest players of all time. And you can see very, very, very different things that they did mechanically. Now, I would say that as as pre-tech uh, learners of the game, right? That, that we're talking about someone learning the game, you know, at, in the early parts of the, of the 20th century and then the middle part of the 20th century, like... They weren't, they weren't uh, using 3D biomechanics sensors and all this stuff to learn to play golf. They didn't even have video, right? Like what they were doing was they, they, had enough, they just had some awareness that they were working off of, right? Um, they were figuring out what worked for them and making it, making it happen. Um, it's a very, very interesting way to look at, it, look at it. So if we just go down the path of saying, okay, are you ready for this? There's no right answers. There's not. There's 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 answers that work better for some people than others. There's things that match up better than others when you do certain stuff. But don't search for the perfect answer. What we're trying to do is figure out a way for you to play your best golf. And and you can look at this in other sports too. Like Reggie Miller was the greatest shooter that I ever saw as a kid playing playing basketball. Okay, so Robbie's probably too young to remember Reggie Miller, but man, he was good. But the way he shot a basketball is very different than the way Steph Curry shoots a basketball. Okay, and I have a feeling that whatever Reggie Miller did felt really good to him, and he was able to build this skill set through something that was very organic to the way he learned it. Okay, so what we're saying is through this process, you can learn to play better the way that you should play better. Okay, not the way I think you should play better, not the way that um, Rory McElroy plays better, not the way that. Uh, Nelly Corda plays better, but the way you can play your best game, and there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And when you go through a process like this with a great coach, they're going to draw out of you this stuff very organically. It's going to feel right. It's going to function well. And that's really what we're after. So when we come back from the break, we're going to kind of take you through this and give you some examples as a level one, two, or three golfer. As you know, and if you don't, if you haven't heard this from us before, this is what we're all about. We take you through context of the level of player that you are you can kind of go in our back catalog episode two would probably be the best way to to take that in and learn uh what that's all about so when we come back from the break we're going to give you some real world examples about who you are as a player and how these uh, how this this sort of process can make you learn to play better golf so we'll be right back and we're back so this is really exciting i'm, I'm excited to get into the sort of meat and potatoes of this with with rob fails here so um, as we start off with these four, with these four kind of, I, I hate to call them steps because they can come in different orders, right? So it, yes, it doesn't have to be definitely. a one, two, three, four kind of thing, but no. essentially it's just all part of the process, right? And so Correct. you're working through that context, perception, exploration, and then the performance aspect. So going back a little bit into the golf intervention type of thing, okay, it's kind of what we do. Um, we look at players... Um, really in three ways. So you're a beginner golfer to basically maybe a bogey golfer-ish. Uh, we call you a level one player, okay? And I know that's a wide range, uh, but that's kind of, there's some data that is common between between these levels that we're talking about. Second level golfer is an intermediate level two player, just better than bogey golf all the way down to basically scratch, okay? Then we go into the elite player. Level three player is somewhere between scratch and tour, right? All the way to right now, Hmm, Victor Hovland? 
best play? I mean, what would you say? Who's playing the best right now? Probably. Man, yeah, it'd be hard to argue. R- Rory's playing. Rory's playing some really great golf as well. Um, but you know, it's Scotty Scheffler. I think still ranked number one in the world, but um, did not play great at the Ryder Cup. I mean, he's a great player. I'm, I'm not saying that he play. He always plays great. Anyway, yeah. so. Um, so that is kind of taking us all the way there. So what we're trying to do here on this show is wrap around everything we talk about between those three levels. Generally, I mean, we're going to bounce around here a little bit, but we want you as you listen to this podcast, say, okay, here I am as a player. These are the things I think about. If we go back to the guitar analogy, like as a beginner guitar player that knows two chords now, I don't think that, um, Stevie Ray Vaughan or I'm not Eric Clapton or, or John Mayer and a more, you know, like, that's not how it works, okay? And so learning learning has has phases and timing and, and pacing to it. And yeah. and so it kind of goes back to that notion of like, if I had a student walk in front of me and said, here's the perfect swing, you should do this. Like, can you imagine taking a beginner golfer and putting Rory McIlroy's swing up on a, mm-hmm. or their 3D data up on a screen and saying, you just need to do all these things. Like, <laughs> That's a real quick way to get someone to quit golf, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. You, we, we're not talking about that. So, Rob, let's go back into context, okay? Let's go back, all the way back, context, as we start out here. Um, what, what, is the, what are we talking about there? And then maybe give us some examples of, of different players and some, some things that you see starting them off in this, in this process. Absolutely. So, again, this four-step, I'll call it this, this four-step process, it's, it's really – in order of influence. So if you can think of it as the first one's going to influence all the rest of them, and then the second one's going to really influence the third and the fourth, and the third is going to influence. So there's a, there's a hierarchy of influence. They don't have to happen in a certain order, but if you can influence the higher order levels or stages, then you're going to invariably influence the lower. Whereas if you start with the lower, you don't necessarily influence the upper. So I think that's a good way to, to start off with this. But when we talk about context, perception, exploration, performance, those four stages, we start with context for a reason. Because it is the most important stage of this is understanding who the golfer is and their motivations. Why are they here to see us? So a good example would be, as a level one golfer, I have some folks who come to me who aren't even interested in shooting score. Some people just want to hit it in the sweet spot some people have hit a slice their entire lives. It's like, listen, it doesn't matter what I shoot when I go out with my buddies. They riff on me for having this huge slice. I need to slice it less or I just want to learn how to hit a draw, right? And, and that has to come out in the first, I'll say, five minutes of our session is why are we here today? Um, because that will dictate literally everything that, that happens below that. Well, no question. And, and I think you – I mean, you were one of my interns way a long time ago, um, and you've recently watched me teach. And you know, I, when people walk in the door, it doesn't matter. I mean, I ask, "Why are we here today?" Is that true? Yeah, like, exactly. Yes, I, I just yeah. try to get it out of the way. Like, that's why we're there. We that way we can set them down a path, and we yeah. know we're on this path together. So that's so important. And you have to be ready as a learner to walk in and tell your coach this. Like, Correct. walk in and say. This is why I'm here today. Okay. Even if they don't yes. ask, like you got to set the, the, the learning, the learning process is yours. It's not your coaches. Okay. Correct. You're in control. So you got to walk in and tell them why you're there. And so the superpower here is as you, the golfer, if your motivations can be as relevant as possible toward achieving your overall goals, then that's going to really set you on, on a positive path throughout the rest of this. So an example would be you're a level one golfer and you show up and you're like, okay, I need to make more 12 to 20 footers. That's why I'm here today. <laughs> right. So what's the problem with that is that it's not relevant to your level. Whereas if you can accurately assess your game, this is going back to the, uh, I believe the second episode that we did. If you can come up to come to your coach and if you can say, Hey, this is why I'm here today. I'm here because I need fewer disruptors. I need fewer penalty shots off the tee. Then as a coach, I know what I'm looking for. A lot of times I get the question from coaches, hey, what's the first, when you get a lesson, you get someone in front of you, what are you looking at first? Are you looking at their feet? Are you looking at their hands? What are you looking at? I'm like, okay, well, hold on, hang on a second. 
I don't know what to look for until I ask the question, how can I help today? Or why are we here today? Because if they tell me, hey, on the golf course, I'm hitting it off the edge of the toe, then as I watch them move, I'm looking for things that would influence a toe strike. And so it takes all the possible things that you could be looking at as a coach and it shrinks the options to allow the decision-making to happen much more cleanly, much more committed, committedly, <laughs> is, that a, yeah. is that a word? But it, but it, it just helps the, the overall structure of the, the learning process because we're going to always go back to that because you need to have something to measure against. Yeah. And for, for every one of my students, my goal is like, what are we measuring against? All right, are we measuring curve? Are we measuring solidness of contact? Are we measuring distance? What are we measuring against? What is our why? What What is the goal? What are we trying to do? What should be the intent? What's the intent of our sessions? And then how are we trying to do it? Where is Where does our attention need to be in order to achieve that goal? Awesome. So a real a real world example of um, of that with say an elite player walking through the door. Yes. Start us like give us. We'll start level three there. Like, what do you see in there? Like elite. Well, player. so yeah, I, I had a level three. I'll, I'll give a, a very real world example. This was, I want to say, two years ago. I had an elite player, um, college player, come in and say, hey, "I'm, I'm, I need to hit it further. That's that's really all I need. I just need more distance." And we start with our first session, and you know, this was a coach two years ago that was as wise as I am today and I'm watching him hit shots, starting with wedges, working up through irons. And I didn't even get to him hitting driver, which is the first thing he says, I need to hit my driver further. I started watching him hit irons. I started seeing things that I knew or I thought I knew at the time were almost non-negotiables for me. I was like, this is, you know, you can't really play doing this. And so I started going along this path of, all right, well, I believe that if we can get this taken care of, then that'll open up the door later for us to work on speed. And what's really, really interesting is that if you look at his stats through when we worked together, his scoring average did go down. So he actually was playing better, but I actually lost him as a client because I didn't get him actually hitting the ball further, which is why he came to see me in the first place. Yeah, so which it's, is it's, yeah. it's interesting because I think the elite player, which you and I both – we're lucky again, like we said before, when he introduced us, like we work with a lot of complete beginners and kids and then a lot of elite players and everybody in between. And it's, it's cool, but elite players, is it fair to say they're probably um, more aware of what exactly they want, right? It's kind of like we yes. were talking about on the, on the, um, on the equipment episode is that that level three player with the equipment probably knows a lot of that stuff because you don't get there without having equipment that works for you. Right. So it's like, right. There's a lot of awareness there. So that person was attaching um, a skill that they wanted you to help them with. And you kind of, I mean, you were trying to get there, but just didn't quite, it was more of a roundabout process to getting there. And so, um, and that's okay. He had a goal um, to work for, and then you just didn't quite make it there yeah and, and maybe and you i learned road, but again that's, well i wouldn't have come up with this pro- this process that you see here wouldn't probably be there yeah <laughs> if i hadn't have learned from that so because like, that because cool now it's like exactly because now i i will literally not i mean i hardly won't even i'll look at the, i'll watch them but i'm not really watching them until i have it solidly in my head as this is what we're trying to do this is and then if I know what we're trying to do, then I'll start to delve into all these things we're about to talk about here in a little bit as far as how we try to do it. But no, if, if I don't have a clear context, if I don't have a clear goal, a clear intent in my head as a, as a coach for what we're doing, then I, I won't even, I mean, I've, I'll, I'll just keep prodding. <laughs> I'll keep prodding questions, questions, questions. I mean, I mean you got to ask really good questions to be able to get some of this stuff, especially for folks who aren't as aware. But level three golfers, a lot of times they're already keeping stats. They already know some of the stuff. And so I'll, I'm, I'm able to dig in and actually get closer to the answer. And if they're using GameForge, then you get the answer pretty, pretty easily. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the main thing that I would say is that as a level three golfer, they're, they're usually the easier ones. Usually level two is the one is the level where 
most of the most of the grunt work needs to be done to figure out what's really going to move the needle. Because level one is a lot of time really easy. Yep. Level three, they they're pretty aware already. They've got the answers for you. Some a lot of the time, sometimes not. Um, I'm not. I don't want to make a blanket statement because I've seen definitely seen some level three players who, who who don't know you know what they need to be trying to do. But level two, a lot of times, it's because it's such a broad bucket of, of players, a lot of times there's there's more variability in, in their motivations. Yeah, so kind of summarizing there, the context part, um, level one, maybe it's just mis- misconception or just they just don't know, right? Like they're just correct. I don't know. Like how do you how do you hit it? How do you get the ball off the ground? I, I don't know how to get the ball off the ground. <laughs> I might be right. And so like there's some very basic stuff, like you said, straightforward, kind of simple, like understand how the understanding some things, and then level two might be the one where people could could be a little bit more on the uh, misconception, right? right. Like yes. they, they might be, they, they might've heard five different things about how to hit the shot they're trying to hit. And they, they just right. have no idea what they're, you know, that could be the thing that really throws a monkey wrench into the level two player. Correct. Um, do you have any so then, example of that? Yeah. So then as we, I was actually going to go ahead and segue when you go from kind of the big why, the big motivation, then it's figuring out, okay, well, what are they trying to do and how are they trying to do it? And those are two of the best questions. And I'm going to actually run through the questions that, that, that you should be asking yourself as a player. And if you're taking lessons, then you should be getting asked these questions from your coach. And if not, that's okay. Just freely give them this information because they're, they're, they're going to need it, whether or not they, they actually know it or not. But the first thing from an intention standpoint is, if you can think about every shot as having like a score, and I think of this as, you know, for tee shots, a fairway versus an effective drive, whereas effective drive is basically you can find the ball with a clear path to the green. You might be in the rough. You might have some, you know, some lie or slope issues uh, versus the fairway, right? That's a, that's a different shot value. That's a different score, right? So you have these, you know, in short game, we've talked about getting it on the green versus getting it inside 12 feet versus getting inside six feet, we have to clear up the shot intention of, of this, sorry, the score intention for the shot that they're trying to hit. So this is the big one that we've talked about already when it comes to level one golfers trying to get the ball as close to the hole as possible when they're in short game. And they do so at the expense of missing the green oftentimes. So if you can understand that, and a lot of times you can get their performance way, way better by just giving them the right, what I call the score intention for the shot. Like pretty much for the for those golfers, it's just getting it on the putting green. And if you can give them that intention, they're going to get it on the green more often because yeah, it's what they're trying to do. Yeah, and their scoring average is going to go down. Yeah, so their intention is probably affected by watching players better than them, right? Like I'm I'm watching right. I'm watching the Ryder Cup and they're bombing in putts from everywhere, and Rory's hitting these crazy Victor Hovland's chipping in from everywhere, like and so. Well, that's what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Like that's right. That's my that's my intention too. And so, yes. The point being, we're gonna if we're really working on score. That goes back to my example of I'm not I'm not a I don't know two chords and I can play John Mayer, right? Like I gotta have I've gotta have, I gotta build up to that, right? So we've got to set. Yes. So you're saying that by I gotta take my skill on by setting a score value to what I'm to what I'm doing, right? And so um, giving them that yeah and I, and I love that that's a, such a great that's such a great way to put it yeah and then relative to that score intention what shot are they trying to hit and how are they trying to swing the club to hit that shot so those that's kind of the trifecta when it comes to intention you have a score intent you have a shot intent and you have a swing intent and so unpacking that and figuring out what they're trying to do as far as that goes and I mean good examples of that would be you know, if they're trying to hit a draw, but their swing intentions are conflicting with that. If they have a belief, and we'll, this we'll talk about when it comes to perceptions, that the club needs to be swung right with the handle swing way out to the right through impact and, and trying to do all this stuff to try to hit draws, then that's a swing intent error. They don't understand how the club needs to swing in order to hit the shot that they're trying to hit in order to create the score that they're trying to create. Right, so it's the cycle of intention that we need to really start to unpack for these golfers. 
And so then relative to that, we have their intentions. And then where is their attention need to be in order to produce that? And this is where it can, it can get really uh, very much all over the place in terms of do you have an external focus? Do you have an internal focus? Are you thinking of things broadly? Are you thinking of things narrowly? Like there's so much, are you, is it more visual? Is it feel or is it, um, is it more auditory? How are you, how are you placing your focus? Where are you placing your focus in order to produce your intent? So, so what, yeah, I had a playing lesson. I would love for you to contextualize this for me. I'm going to give you an example. I want you to contextualize this for me because I think that some of what goes on here is that players can improve their scoring through this, through this perception, um, without, without really trying to change their swing mechanics. Okay. It's happening. It's kind of happening subconsciously, right? Like that's what, that's what we're trying to work out. Okay. And that's, that's what I think this is that organic part that I'm talking about. Okay. So, I'm on the course. I had this playing lesson. It was it was incredible. So I have this student who, she plays nine holes a week. She never practices. She doesn't warm up before she plays, ever. Okay, I've been giving her lessons for probably 15 years, but but not a lot. She takes, you know, four or five lessons a year. So, I think that her enjoyment of the game is pretty much on par with what she wants out of it. They do keep scoring her group. Um, she just wants to keep up and enjoy her friends, that kind of thing. And she does that well. And then when it gets to be where she feels like she's not keeping it, you know, topping the ball or whatever, she'll come and get a lesson. We kind of clean it up and then she's good. And then she'll come back when she backslides a little bit. So anyway, she wanted to do a playing lesson, which we've never done. So I said, okay, I couldn't wait to do it. Right. So she says, every time I get on the course, I feel like I top, I top my driver and I top my fairway wood, which is almost always my second shot club. I said, okay. So we get on the first tee, and I said, simply this, where where are you aiming? Okay? And she said, I'm just aiming down down the, you know, the fairway. Now, Tuckahoe Creek Fairway number one, <laughs> Robbie, is how wide? 50 yards wide, probably? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a par five. It's probably 50 yards wide. There's no trees to be found. It's just a big, wide, open space. So I said, okay, um, let's take a more specific target. That's all I said. I said, you see that tree way in the, let's just aim that as like kind of where you want to go. She goes, okay. And she hits the shot like perfectly solid. She looks at me. She's like, well, that was good. I was I don't do that. No, normally though. I said, okay, that's fine. Let's go play the next shot. So she gets up over the next shot and she goes, so do you want me to like aim at something again? I said, yeah, let's aim. Let's pick something. Oh my okay. Gosh. So she's like, let's aim at the left. I said, let's aim at the left side of that. Part. So I was picking the targets for her early on in this process. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I said, let's aim at the left side of that green side bunker. She said, okay. Pew, hits a perfect shot. Okay. For her, perfect shot. And again, she's like, wow, this doesn't ever happen. So she puts it again. She Next time she goes, okay, I'm going to aim it at the same place because now it's my third shot on a par five, same club, fairway wood. Boom. Right in front of the green. Hits it onto the green with a little pitch shot again, you know, measuring, you know, aiming where she wants to go. And then she two putts it and makes a bogey. She's super excited. We go to the next yeah. hole, which is the hardest hole in the course because it's for, for ladies because there's a pond right in front of the green. And they got to kind of go around. Um, and she gets up to she hits two great shots again, and then hitting her third shot kind of over the corner of the water, it pulls it left to the green. Now she's got in the rough, over the corner of the bunker to the green, water on the other side. And mm. she said, "I can't hit the shot. You know, I don't. I don't know how to do this." And I said. I want you to hit it up in the air and land it right there. And I pointed where she went. I said, I want it to go high and land it there. And you're going to use your sandwich. She said, I never used my sandwich before. And I said, I want you to land it here. Just take a practice swing. Think about how much power you need. And she hit it up there and she one putted. Okay. And wow. it was like, so all she did was pick targets. Okay. Yeah, she had, she had an intention. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> For what she was trying to do. Previous yes. no intention. Right. Yes. And so Correct. what happened? Her, her contact and her swing. Why? We don't know the answer to why I told her. It's not like you're making a better swing. It's that you're, you're athletically reacting to trying to hit the ball somewhere. I mean, that was my yeah. answer. Would you agree with that? That's kind of like 100%. Yeah. yeah. So like, who that, knows? Like she's her, her attentional focus probably changed. 
like you probably took her attention more from, and, I, and this is conjecture, but maybe she was more internally focused in how her body was moving or what things that she thought she, she needed to do. And you just place her attention on what was actually relevant. Like, Hey, where do we want the ball to go? So <laughs> I, didn't go give, I didn't give you that yeah. insight and you've never heard the story before, but that's exactly what happened. Cause she, she, ha, she and I had this conversation. I said, now you're, yeah. you've taken your attention towards where you want the ball to go. Not standing over the ball thinking, what are the things that make me make a swing? Correct. What are the, what are, what am I going to do? What am I going to, if I don't do that, am I going to be embarrassed in front of my friends? Like those are the things that go on, right? Correct. Cause it's just social yep. golf. So that's a hundred percent what happened in my, in my opinion. So, so this is the big thing and, and I'm glad that we're getting to this because when we talk about learning, a lot of times people don't understand the difference between learning and motor learning. They've gone their whole life with, or most of their adult lives rather, with being very successful learning new information cognitively. Like, okay, I, I get this new information. I understand it. I maybe understand it to an even deeper level and I can regurgitate it or I can even apply it in a context. But motor learning, movement learning is so different because it requires your attention to be more in terms of a cue. So whenever you do anything, there's a, there's a cue. A lot of times people aren't even necessarily aware of what, what the cue is, but oftentimes a cue can relate to language. So if you can think about a language, you have a verb, a noun, and a preposition. So a direction. So it's like, I'm going to push the ground away, right? So you're going to push, that's the verb, the ground, noun, and then away as a direction component to it. And so when your attention goes more into a cue, that, in, that inspires movement. This comes from Dr. Nick Winkleman. This is usually the things that people miss out on is that they they it's almost like they visualize in their head the movement that they're trying to create because they understand what they're trying to do, but they don't ever get to the step of actually cueing the movement in a way that gets them to actually perform it. And so a lot of times the shot can be a cue. If you think about starting the ball here, curving it in a direction, that's a cue that inspires movement. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times People don't simply have a shot intent. And when you give them that shot intent, it inspires movement. So that's how I would explain what, what just happened there. Yeah, and it is that 100%. And it's coming from kind of an unconscious place in a way, right? Is that, right. And that's the hard, that's the, I don't want to say that's the hard part, but that's where the trust comes in. That's yep. that, you know, and that's where a good coach is going to be able to communicate that in a way and say, this is all about you. This is coming from you. Like this is, right. this isn't about me. This is about you. And I think that's just, yeah. I think that's just, it's a hard thing. It's a high level thing, but at the same time, like we do it, we do it in other stuff. And sometimes in golf, we just kind of like, we forget about, we forget about that stuff. Right. So yeah. man, that was, I thought you, I thought you, I thought you really described that well. That was really great. Um, so how does that take us into, is that taking us into exploration? So where are we, where are we now? So, so we've, we've simply just gone over context, which is the overall, who's the individual and why are they here? Is that going to move the needle for them? Are their motivations clear? Do we, are we all on the same page as far as this relationship? Or are you on the right page with your own relationship? A lot of times this, these are questions, existential questions you can ask yourself. And then relative to that context, right, the intention and attention is going to really drive the behavior. And these are, and that is, we start with that because that's going to be the relevant piece for our golfers is understanding what you're trying to do, how you're trying to do it. That is ultimately what's going to drive behavior. And then as we move to the next thing, which would be perception, now we can start to influence that intent, influence where their attention is by clearing up their perceptions. And that's where we're headed next, awesome. which is really the two questions that, that I ask here are, what do you notice? And then what do you believe should happen? Those are two questions that really get to the heart of their perceptions, in my opinion. Okay. So give us an example. I'm a level one player. Um, awesome. We're topping it across the ground. Yeah. I asked them, can you do, what do you notice? And they'll say something to the effect of, 
Well, it didn't go up. I was like, great. All right, so we noticed what the ball did. And don't take that lightly because even as you go, especially to level two, when you start to get a ball flight, people will not perceive what the ball is doing accurately. They think that the ball is starting in a certain place and it is starting somewhere completely different. Mm -hmm. I've seen people hit 10-yard fades and tell me with a straight face, that was a straight ball. That ball did not curve. Oh, yeah. I've seen it curve left, and I think it curved right. Right. Yeah. So so what did you notice is a great question to start to get us on the same page as far as how. And again, I'm going to go back to this triad, how the ball, the club, and the environment all interacted. And in putting, this is huge when it comes to green reading. What is their perception of how the ball interacts with slope? And so the first one would be time. All right. A lot of players, and what I've noticed is that players tend to perceive that the ball should get to the hole before it actually does. And that's a big thing for speed control. I see it all day long. I have them, I have them close their eyes, make a stroke. I have them open their eyes when they believe the ball should get to the hole, and then notice where the ball is when they open their eyes. And almost without fail, I've, I've had, I can maybe count on one hand, number of times the ball's actually been past the hole when they open their eyes. Mm. And so when you talk about how that, that creates a, a, an altered perception of speed, now we can start to, to understand how the force that they're producing with the putter might be matching what they're trying to do, matching their intentions, but it's not matching what the actual task is. Right. So that's where you tell the golfer, Hey, great job. You did exactly what you were trying to do. (laughs) It just wasn't, it just wasn't what this task asked of you. Mm -hmm. And so if you can clear up their perceptions and then other examples would be things like distance perception is a big one, right? Asking golfers, Hey, how far do you think we are here? I've had people on a seven foot putt say that they're three feet. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. So, there's a whole bunch of these perceptions. What did you notice? But we're talking about our level one golfer getting back to that. I was like, great. So did you notice how the club interacted with the ball to create that? And then that's when invariably they'll say, no, I have no idea. And then you just spray the face and it's okay. So we're going to give you some feedback here. And feedback is really the big one when we come to yeah. perceptions is that if we can give them accurate feedback, thank you, track man, yeah. of why the ball is doing what it's doing, a lot of times it clears up their perception which then will alter their intention and then where their attention goes. So it's, we're always going back to that context of, of what is, what are they trying to do, how they're trying to do it. A lot of times as a result of them having just the wrong perception. And then the last example that I'll give and the one that I really use a lot, thanks to um, James Hong is their perception of the target, where the target is. So I'll have them with a seven. I, I do this for slicers, folks who are, are swinging swing direction, you know, 10 degrees left. Mm-hmm. I'll have them set up over the shot and keep their eyes down on the golf ball. I say, okay, just take your lead hand off the club and point to the target. And oftentimes they're way left mm, of where they believe that target needs to be. So they're, so they have the perception that the direction they swing makes the ball go somewhere. So that's the first misperception. Mm-hmm. But then not only are they trying to swing the club to the target to make it go there, but they believe, they believe the target is left relative to where it actually is when they're set up. Yeah. So those are things that, you know, when you clear up their perception of where the target is and what makes the ball go to the target, it's amazing how many things you clean up without ever having to mention movement or technique or anything like this. Yeah. And so you, you said, thank you, track man. So I kind of want to go back into that just for a second, because I feel like this is where, this is where learning in the moment, feels like it's gotten a lot easier for the student in my opinion because we're not we're not guessing at some of this stuff as far as the feedback goes anymore and so it used to be you know you would you would try to sort of teach off philosophies and te- you know like the shape of the swing and you know are you a method teacher do you teach a one plane swing like all this stuff and right. then you had some ball flight stuff that you tried to guess at but it it, it wasn't really accurate anyway so this is where now feed when feedback becomes Really, con- it really becomes congruent with what the person is feeling and seeing. The learning process improves tremendously, in my opinion. And so when we don't have to guess at these things anymore, to your point, I think that speeds up learning 
way faster than it used to. Oh, without a doubt. And so I had some some comments. Um, some people were texting me like, yeah, you know, like it's cool that you talk about TrackMan stuff, but, you know, most people don't have access to TrackMan. Um, I would say that's, that's true to a point. Um, most people do not have access to stuff like that. That doesn't mean you can't get feedback. So when you when you take a lesson, hopefully the person you take a lesson with is using some type of ball flight you know, launch monitor with data, right? Not everybody does, but hopefully in this day and time, most of the top, top coaches, like if you're going to go get a really good golf lesson, you're going to probably be using TrackMan or, or some um, competitor there. In. And when you leave that lesson, you should be able to have a way to get feedback yourself or when you're practicing, like Rob said, spray the face, you know, you can use Dr. Scholl's foot spray on the club and that can give you some insight. There's a lot of things that you can do, or maybe using, you know, using some external things like tees on the ground or things that will help you know, like if I'm coming over the top or if I'm not, you know, stuff like that, using alignment rods for feedback. So there's ways that you can build your feedback in your practice to help you with that. But I just feel like the perceptions uh, um, in that moment, um, is my club face open or closed in impact? Am I, am I hitting it on the heel? Am I hitting it on the toe? Like, these are the things that we now know. We don't have to guess at anymore. And I think that that really helps us um, get to the answer quicker and in a way that's more congruent with learning so that people aren't confused, right? Um, yes. We recorded this episode previously and gave an example of the person who used to, you know, we would see them hitting pull hook drivers. And it was like, oh, I got to swing more to the right. And this could be all the way up to an elite player, right? And a lot of times oh, it yes. was elite player. <laughs> And what really what was happening was their their path had gotten so far into out the movement of the club was so far into out that you're hitting the the ball a lot of times on the heel and then you were getting this you know this hook it was like a a big old duck hook with a big face pass relationship that was crazy um, and so the perception of what we needed to do to fix that in the past may have been not exactly right like the the answer might not have been right so right this is where I think in the moment yes like. Not everybody has access to TrekMan for feedback, but the understanding that you get from it is something that everybody should learn and understand if you really want to play well. You can do TrekMan University. Everybody can do it for free and learn about this stuff. Um, so anyway, I just kind of wanted to put that, I kind of want to sprinkle that in there. So as far as perception goes, Rob, did you have other stuff that you wanted to, to put in there? Um, yeah, I was going to... I was going to relay it back to context one more time. So let's use an example of a golfer hitting it off the off the edge of the toe. So if you can picture the very outside edge of the toe of the club and they show for a lesson and I ask them, what do you notice? And they're not sure. But I say, okay, well, if you had to guess what would make the ball do that, it's amazing how many golfers will point to the inside of the heel or inside of the hosel of the club, believing that they're hitting it off that part of the club to make it go that way. And in reality, it's the exact opposite part of the club that they're actually hitting. So then I'll ask them, okay, well, beforehand, what part of the club were you trying to hit? And sometimes they, they, they weren't trying to hit a particular part of the club, but a lot of times they'll point to the middle and say, okay, great. So we're trying to hit the middle, and then the ball is actually hitting on the outside of the toe. So with that new awareness, how could you shift your intention to solve this problem? And it can be as simple as, all right, well, I was trying to hit the middle and it's hitting the toe without changing anything, without changing my setup, without changing my ball position, without changing my swing at all. Can I now try to hit the opposite part of the club? Can I try to collect the ball against the heel, all right, in order to neutralize that out? And then from a cue standpoint, it could be simple as simple as swing the, swing the club so the bottom of the arc is a little closer to you, all right? So that's a cue. Right, so we've worked from perception to intention and attention, right? And so this is the process at which we can solve these problems. So I just wanted to to take that awareness piece and then relate it back to intention and attention. Awesome. So this is and probably the last the, thing. Go ahead. And then the last thing we need to discuss when it comes to perception is their conventions, their long-held beliefs of what they what they think they know to be true. And this is where, oh my gosh, we can talk about keeping your head down, keeping your left arm straight. You know, you've got to, 
aim at the middle of every fairway off the tee, right? You've got to try to, um, you know, there's so many conventions out there of what they believe. And there's some new conventions out there too. And the, and I think a lot of the new tech is, is great, but it's also created a lot of, a lot of conventions in the wrong way because we have this data, but not, we're not always interpreting the data the correct way. Mm-hmm. So understanding the ideas, the beliefs, uh, a golfer's memories, a golfer's expectations around what they believe to be true is the, the kind of the next step. And that is the question I would ask, what do you believe should happen? And this is where we get to the, the heart of a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So like when you, so I use video in my, in my lessons. And so anytime the ball doesn't go in the air, it's, I picked my head up, right? Correct. Um, I stood up or, yeah. So I'll, I'll say, let's look at that swing and I'll just run it through. I'll just run it through and say, let's put a line on the top of your head and see if you stood up early or what caused you to stand up early since you felt that. Um, and so when they, when they see that they didn't necessarily stand up early, um, then they're, then their convention has to change, right? Does it not have to change yep. at that point? Without a doubt. So without you telling them, oh no, you didn't, you didn't pick your head. Like, so you're right. not telling the student that, oh, you, you got it wrong. Like that doesn't create right. a great environment of learning, right? So in in the building of relationships with the student, this is where things can get a little tricky because yes. you don't want to be, you don't want to be in there like, feeling like you're 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 making fun of them or like right or so oh that's right like, oh no you're not doing that right like come on man like you're not doing that like we don't we don't think that way but maybe they can interpret it that way right, right. so um they, it's where they believe the earth is flat and wait, right and that, that could be that can be a an emotional thing correct and i've seen it happen a lot of times where golfers come in and They've been try- I mean, I had one this past week where he was trying to solve a problem by just moving less. Mm-hmm. He was just trying to stay more still, it was his words. And he, he got a little bit emotional because when we started working, he was like, I can't believe how much time I wasted trying to do this. How much energy and money and, you know, how much how much pain yeah. I, I I caused my, my own golf game because I literally did nothing else but gave him um, the Dr. Kwan rope, I said, Hey, see if you, you know, this is a, this is a task. I want to see if you can figure out how to get this rope to, to orbit in kind of a rhythmic way for you. I'm just trying to get the club to swing for him a yeah. little bit. And he, he, it was a complete jumbled up mess when he started. But yeah. then once we started getting moving a little bit and started swinging the actual, I mean, pretty much immediately the club started delivering better into impact. And he was like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm trying to move more now. Yeah. Not less. And that's a complete convention turn on his head, like 180 degree. And that can happen a lot. So I think the, um, what's the actionable thing for the, for the, for the listener here? A couple ways to look at this. Number one, if you're someone who teaches golf, you know, young instructor, or just trying to, you know, trying to learn something new, try to add tools to your toolbox. Um, the convention thing is tricky, you know? And I think that as far as coaching goes, a lot of times, like like Robbie said, he used it, he used the rope and just let them solve the equation, right? So then they then they again he drew out of them. He didn't tell them they were doing it wrong. He he drew out of them the answer to the question, right? Um, sometimes I'll do some feedback in that way. Just just hey, um, let's watch let's watch this player. Let's watch this video of this great player do this thing. You tell me what you notice. You tell right? me what you notice, right? <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. they're, oh my gosh, like yeah, they don't, they don't stare at the ball until they follow through or whatever, you know. <laughs> like so, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell them they're wrong. Again, it's that way of drawing out of them their ability to understand it and and perceive it better, right? So that's yes. the perception part of it. So. Um, that's really good. And I, um, and I think the, yeah. And, the, and then the last thing that I'll add is one thing that doesn't get talked about a lot is the expectations. So in the scenarios where we do try to influence movement, I think one question that needs to be asked is, okay, if you move in this way, what would you expect would happen at impact? And a lot of times if you're if you've built a relationship with the golfer, they'll honestly tell you, I believe if I move in this way, 
the outcome won't be desirable. I feel like I'm going to miss it. I feel like I'm going to hit it way right. I'm going to feel like I'm going to hit it way left. And you got to get that out of the way. You got to say, listen, that's great. Let's see. Let's do the movement and let's both be detectives here and let's see what happens. Let's see if your if your expectation matches reality. Yeah. And that that that's a very important couple words there. And I don't want to gloss over that that let's see. I think you can use those two words in a lesson and those are gold for oh, you. Oh gosh, you know what I say all the time is I say let's do a science experiment. That's yes. what I say. Let's let's Yes. Let's do a science experiment. Yes. Just, and just like trust me on this one. Do it a little slower. Just see what happens. Right. Like, I I mean, I would say almost not every lesson, but a lot of lessons. Yeah. So that's, that's a, yeah, that's awesome. So let's do this, Rob. Um, Do you feel like we're through perception at this point for the most part? We are through perception. So let's do this. I think this would be great because I'm looking at the time here and I think we're an hour deep into this one already. Um, (laughs) Let us summarize what we've talked about so far. Okay. I'm throwing you a little bit of a curveball here. You're looking at me like, what's going on? I'm, I'm all about it. Okay, so I think what we'll do is let's summarize what it is we talked about today, and we'll make this episode two parts, okay? When we come back, we'll, we'll, you and I will do it tonight, but we'll record the second part, and we'll drop it two ways. That way it doesn't seem like too much all at once for the listener because um, I do want them to let this absorb a little bit, okay? I completely so, agree. So um, as we go back in, summarizing what it is that we told you. So we started off today saying we wanted to focus on learning. This is what it is. We, yes. If we had a dream for people walking in to a lesson, you know, and, and they had to listen to something or, or we're kind of on board with this process of trying to improve, this is what we yep. want them to know. Okay. And so um, you go ahead and summarize the context and the perception real quick for us. And yes. then we'll wrap up for today. And then we're going to do a part two of this episode which will drop into your feed a couple days after. Awesome. So there are, and one thing we're going to talk about at the very end of this two-part series is what I call like the seven golden questions that you can ask in a, in a student-teacher relationship or even ask yourself. And we've honestly, we've covered five of those. So the first one's going to be, how can I help today? And that can also be, why are we here? That's the overall context. That's the goal. That's why we're here, our motivations. If we don't start there, then everything else is going to lose context. And then when you don't have context, it's not repeating myself, but you don't have motivation. So you have to know why you're doing what you're doing, the overall, um, the motivation, the overall goal behind what we're doing. The second one would be, what are we trying to do and how are we trying to do it? What are we trying to do is quite simply the intent the score intent, the shot intent, the swing intent are going to be the big three. There's a bunch of other intent, movement intentions. Don't think that those are the only intentions. There are so many intentions that we can explore, but just what are you trying to do? And then where is your attention? How are you trying to do it? And they are not necessarily the same answer. You can have a swing intention, but then you can place your attention on your right elbow, <laughs> right? You can, you can place your attention where you need it in order to move the way you want to move. And I think that that's the piece that gets lost. A lot of times when we are learning new information versus learning to move better or move in a more desirable way. And then in order to influence the intention and the attention, really the main important piece, we have to start with the golfer's perceptions. What do they notice would be the first one, which is, again, my big three would be how the club, the ball, the environment all interact. And then what do you believe should happen to the conventions, their ideas, their beliefs, their memories, and their expectations? So if we can influence their perceptions, we will influence their intention and their attention. And that's going to be the most, uh, Dr. Bull calls it the most intrinsic improvement. Because if you improve the perception, then you improve all the lower order um, operations, which we're going to talk about in in the next segment of the podcast. Awesome. So thank you. So we're now um, on Apple Podcasts, which is exciting. So if that's your normal podcast uh, 
sort of player that you use, you can follow us on there. Don't forget to rate us. Give us that five-star rating. That really helps us out in review. Um, We set out into this podcasting for one reason, which we stated very simply. We wanted to just put some good stuff in the space. That's what we're all about. We wanted to help people learn how to play better golf. We were just tired of seeing, seeing people backslide way too often, going down the wrong roads. So I think that today's episode helps with that. What is your perception? What is your context? Like, how are you going to get better at golf? And when we come back next time on part two, we're going to go through um, some really fun parts of this, in my opinion. Exploration, performance. Yes. Like the stuff that's the nitty gritty, like how am I going to play better golf um, and get this on the golf course? So um, thank you, Rob Fails. Thank you, the listener. Um, Be on the watch out for part two of this episode, and we'll see you next time. Thank you all.